0: Good morning, I'm Pastor Rob, one of the pastors here on staff, and it's so good to be with you. Just want to, before we uh, get going in our message, uh, you're not used to coming to Friday night service, but I just wanted to remind you that every, every good Friday, we have two services, and it's a time for the Anchor Church family to come together and to worship God, to thank God, and to take communion together in remembrance of what he did on the cross for us. This today, today is in, a, in the Christian calendar, is the beginning of Holy Week. Today is Palm Sunday. When Jesus rode back into Jerusalem, and he rode back on a donkey. You know what donkey, when a, when a ruler back then rode in on a donkey, it meant, I come in peace. You see, Jesus came in peace. When he came into our heart, he brought peace in our heart. So we, this is an amazing week, holy week. It's a time to, you know, just really for me, and I, and I want to encourage you to make this week amazing about Jesus. Because uh, next week course we celebrate dying on the cross and raising it rising again next Easter so on Easter so good hope you can make it uh, next weekend we are starting continuing our series and actually coming to an end of our series on heaven and hell anybody enjoy this series so far so it's uh it's an amazing series and it's my responsibility this morning to bring you and I'm going to bring you some theology and some doctrine and some scriptures. so you're going to need some notes but most importantly, as I bring this message to an end, I want to bring you hope. The word says that our hope is in the future. In in the English language, that word hope, it conjures up this feeling. I don't know if you're, if, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan, so it, you know, picture with me you know, the, the last play of the game and you're, and you're just praying that the, your team scores, up, and you got your fingers crossed, your legs crossed. So I'm just, I'm hoping this is going to work out. You know, it's basically a 50-50 shot in our minds when we use the word hope. But the word in the, in the language, in the original language in the Bible for the word hope means confident expectation. Amen. That's what it means. It's not, a, it's not a, oh, I hope that works out. I hope we die and go to heaven. No. The word tells us that our hope is in our future. Jesus wants us to know that. So we bring the word to you this morning. I want you to know that heaven and hell are real. And eternity is for real. I mean, I love, love, love to travel. If there's anything my wife and I, we do some things good, but we travel great. We love to travel. I mean, we love the adventure of it. We love the excitement of it. How many in here love to travel? Like, that's your deal. You know, most of us, we love to travel. In fact, one of the guys in my men's groups, I hope he's not here because he'll kill me. He hates to travel. He, just the thought of getting on that plane and leaving the islands, and I, I just can't even get around that. Because I love to travel. You know what, you, you when you travel, you gotta, first got to pick the location where you're going to travel to. And of course, then you get into checking it out. You want to know where you're going to go. Of course, if you're a foodie, where did Guy Ferrari eat? You need to know that. You know, like if you're a shopper, like, like where's the closest outlet mall? I mean, those are important things, right? Where are you going to play? What are you going to do? I mean, we look at that. We look that up. We anticipate. We can't wait for it. Pastor Tammy was telling me that, the, that there's some endorphins that go off in our mind when we start to plan a trip because the pleasure literally can start then and work its way all the way through a trip. And when you get through that trip, you know that letdown? Because all those endorphins and those, that adrenaline have been pulsing through you for so long and then the trip's over. I mean... Anybody get on that plane on the way home, you're going, dang, it's over. But guess what? I got a little off track, but I want you to know that God sees, wants us to anticipate heaven. And not only does he want us to anticipate it, he wants us to plan on it. And he he wants us to live our lives with an expectancy to go home and be in heaven. In fact, if you really understood heaven and which we're hoping to bring to you in these three sermons, uh, sermons. in fact, if you are new to us and you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, Pastor Trevor preached last week and Pastor Carl preached the week before. Those are on our, if you go to our website, you can look under the sermons and they're archived there because our desire is for you to really understand what the Bible says about heaven because if you understood heaven, you can't, couldn't wait to be there. in fact, When you really understand heaven, it really changes your tomorrow. Even your worst day, your worst day are redefined when you really filter it through eternity. So that's what I want to bring you today. In Colossians, the third chapter, it says this. Let me get there. Colossians, the third chapter, it says this. Since we have been raised into a new life with Jesus, since we've come to know him and we've asked him into our heart as we fill this with the Holy Spirit, when we accept him as our Savior, says this, since you've been raised to a new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Now, in the Word, the Bible doesn't tell us everything that is going to happen in heaven. It doesn't say that. My personal feelings now are that our minds, our, our human minds can't possibly comprehend what, what's up waiting for us? One of my friends I golf with all the time, he said, hey, and I told him I was preaching on heaven and we're preaching, the church is going through a series on heaven and hell, on eternity. And he goes, well, there, the Bible doesn't say that much about eternity, does it? You know, he, and he quoted this verse, and I bet you know it too. It's in 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse nine. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. Have you heard that verse before? And many times we look at, listen to that verse and we go, see, I, I, I'm not supposed to know, but I just know it's going to be good. So I'm taking on his word, I, it's going to be good. Whatever he says, I'm good with that. But when we think that way, here's what happens. We don't think about it. We just know it's there, but we're not, we're not focused on that. Our, the issues of life and what's going on right in front of us, the problems that we face, the issues that the decisions we have to make, they become more paramount in our lives then what God says, I want you to set your minds on the reality of heaven. But let me say this. It doesn't stop at verse 9. There is a verse 10. And let me read it for you. Because it's very important. Verse 10, of 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. It says this. But, and when you, when, in, a, in the Bible when you're reading, it says then or if then or but. Something really important is about to be said. It's basically saying, listen up. It says this. It was to us. God revealed these things by his spirit. Who are who's us? His children, his followers. It says to us, these things have been revealed by his spirit. For the spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deepest secrets. So he's not trying to hide heaven. Heaven and eternity are not secrets to those who love him and follow him. And it goes, This, you cannot know a person's thoughts except for the very person, his own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. You see, God wants us to be so confident about the realities of heaven and eternity that literally it changes our whole perspective of how we live. Amen. And you, you cannot read the Bible you cannot read the Bible. If, you really, if you're a student of the word, I want you to do this. I want you to read with eternity in mind. No matter what your, however you plan your, work, your reading schedule in your life, read it to understand eternity. And the words will even pop off the pages even more because God wants to reveal that to you. So this morning... I want to just there's a couple of things we're going to kind of go over from the past just so you know cuz I want you to leave here with a confidence not only that you have a hope in the future but the word says that we should have a, a, a be able to tell others that we should have an answer for our faith and I want you to have a, a a firm foundation a picture if you will that you could easily put it in your heart but also tell others about it are you ready the first thing I want to talk about is for sure, and we've talked about this already, but I want to tell it again. I want to paint a picture for you that heaven and hell are real. And heaven and hell are reality. And every single person on the planet ever been born is going to be able to have a choice between those two places. The word talks a lot about hell, and Jesus specifically talks a lot about hell. Not because he's trying to freak us out, but it should. Because it is a terrible place. The Word says it is a painful, sorrowful, lonely, isolated place that you're going to go. Because the Word says that, I mean, clearly, that if you spent your whole life denying there was a God and wanting nothing to do with God, you are going to get your wish. But for those who love Jesus, who know Jesus, Jesus says, Heaven awaits for you. And let me just paint a picture for you about heaven. Because the Bible, and I want you to know the Bible. I want you to understand that. You want to take some notes this morning. The Bible says that heaven is in two places. There's two different heavens. One is a temporary heaven that we will go to until Jesus returns and we'll spend eternity in that heaven. And let me paint a picture for you this morning. When Jesus was on the cross, there were two thieves crucified with him. One mocked him. You're nothing. You're not who you said you were. You deserve to die. The other one said, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you are who you said you were. And Jesus said to him, tonight you will be in paradise. Tonight you'll be in paradise. And if you look up the word paradise in the original language that word means this amazing garden this beautiful park where we if you were to die tonight and go in front of jesus that's where you would go to rest and refresh and i want to use another word just so you have a real clear picture on this another word jesus used in john 14 some of you know this verse it says the word actually says, do not be afraid, for I am going to prepare a dwelling, a place for you. It says that. Now, if you've been Christian a very long time and grew up on the King James Version of the Bible, where it says, I am going to prepare a place for you, your Bible said, I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. Anybody ever hear that before? Amen. A friend of mine goes, oh, he had a bad day, and oh, I'm just building him another wing on my mansion. When I get to heaven. See, when you think of a mansion, you're thinking this a vast estate with this enormous house. That is not at all what that word means, dwelling place. Not even close. It means a temporary dwelling. Why? Because we're in a temporary place. So here's the picture I need you to get in your mind. When you go to be with Jesus, you're going to a resort. A hotel room, a suite, in this amazing place that the word says, the word says that through Jesus we can experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. Okay, but let me just, here's my, really, my thoughts on that. We'll never totally experience that. We live in a screwed up world. Anybody with me on that? I mean, we're frail human beings. We do and say things we wish we didn't. Things happen around us. All that. I, it's hard for me to get my head around a peace that surpasses all understanding on this earth. Even though we can have peace in God. Because we have confidence that he's with us. Guides us, protects us, and comforts us. Are you hearing me? Amen. But when we get to paradise, we will experience a peace that surpasses all human understanding. Are you hearing me? Yes. So if that's where we're going if we die today. And we're going to stand. And we went there. We go there. Jesus is going to ask us, do you know me? And the word says that he's going to look in the Lamb's book of life, and our name, because we know him, will be there, right there. But what's the other place? Where's where heaven that we're going to spend eternity in? The word says in Revelation 21, and by the way, if you want to go deeper in your study of eternity and heaven and all that, can I just write these, write these chapters down? If you want to really want to understand heaven and eternity, it's really found strongly in Revelation 21, chapter 21 and 22. It's also found, the prophecy of eternity in heaven is found in Isaiah 60 and 65 and all the way through the book of Ezekiel. You can find prophecies there. Isn't it interesting too? I I moved to Hawaii back in 1978 and I came before my wife because I got hired to run a job on the marine base, a construction project. And so back then, that was before FaceTime and Snapchat and all those things, I actually literally had to, an, an email, I literally actually had to get a piece of paper and a pencil and write a letter and like put this thing called a stamp on it and take it to this place called the post office and put it in a box. You actually had to do that back then. Today, we just send off an email, bam, we're done, right? But back then, you had to write a letter. And But if you were write an email today to your loved one, maybe that person's far from you and a distance from you, I promise you the last, the last things you said in that letter would be super important. Because you want to land that plane well. You want to get your point across. You want to tell them how deeply you love them if you're writing to a loved one or a spouse. Are, are you hearing me? Amen. This is a love letter from Jesus, from God. This is. And if you look where Jack, Chapters 21 and 22 in this Bible are they're the last two in the book. So that he's telling us, he wants you to know that eternity in heaven and where you're going to spend eternity is real. And it says this in, in, in Revelation 21, it says this, talking about the new earth. It says, then I saw a new heaven. This is John getting a vision, writing Revelation. It says this, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. Let me stop right there before I go on. I just want you to get a picture and understand what what he's trying to tell us here, what Jesus, what God's trying to tell us when we read there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth. He uses the word earth for a reason because he wants us, his kids, to understand that we're gonna be very familiar with this place. In Genesis, the first chapter, the very first book, in the very first verse, it says he created the heavens and the earth. And he goes on to say they created animals. and, and all, He kept through the creation process. And then it says he stepped back and go, dang, that's good. I like it. I love it. I've loved what I created. So when in the end of the book, he says, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. He's not saying, I'm scrapping that plan. No. When we hear the word new, I want you to think of this. Instead of brand new, instead of uh, completely new, think of these words. Because this is what it means. That he's going to redeem, restore, renew, resurrect the earth that we know today. Where there will be no pain. There will be no sorrow. There will be no curse. There will be no sin. There will be no terrorism. There will be no craziness. There will be no evil. It will be perfect where we will go. But it will be like here. We will not be floating around in disembodied spirit, floating in the clouds. No way. The word says that there's going to be nations. That means there's going to be people groups that we're familiar with. There's going to be cities and mountains and rivers and oceans and beaches. And I just said, remember I just said there will be no sea? Some people go, oh, darn, there's going to be no ocean. Trust me on this one. There's going to be an ocean. Why? Because God says... In this whole, the whole theology, if you will, of continuity. Your life here is going to be a lot like it is there, with all the pleasures—not the sin, not the heartache, not the pain—but all the pleasures of it. Have you ever gone anywhere? Like when I grew up, my dad just loved. He had everything had to go through the redwoods and Yosemite National Park. Anybody been in Yosemite National Park? If you haven't. I would definitely strongly urge you to go there, but today I know it's super crowded. It's like I don't, you know, it's not my top 10 list anymore because there's just so many people there. But back when I went there when I was a kid, it was amazing. And I went, I remember the first time I ever went to Inspiration Point. You have El Capitan on the left, Half Dome on the right, and the Valley in the center, and just and I literally at about 10 years old, I looked at that, it was, it was a spiritual awakening in my life, a spiritual experience. Because I looked at that, experience, that, that vista and I go, there is absolutely no way this just happened. There are fingerprints all over what I'm watching. There is a God and he's for real. Many of you have experienced sunrises and sunsets and vistas and you just knew there was something that happened in your soul, deep in your soul. Go, there is a God who created this view that just didn't happen. Are you hear, hear me? When we get to heaven someday, when we get to eternity... We are going to wake up every day and we're going to go, oh, my gosh, could it get any better for the rest of our days forever. We're going to spend that in a new heaven. And it goes on to say this. Let me just go on so you get a better picture of what's going on here. He says, then I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for a groom. The word says all over in the word that Jesus is our groom it says this and then i heard a loud shout from the throne saying look god's home is now among his people and i he will live with them and they will be his people and god himself will be with them and here's the amazing thing he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone let me get this picture the most important thing about this new earth is we will be with jesus He will live among us. The word says, and theologians believe, that because the earth will look a lot like it does right now, where Jerusalem is, is where the new Jerusalem will be. And Jesus will literally be in Jerusalem. That we could travel there and be with him and see him. He would welcome us in. He couldn't wait to see it. In fact, if you continue to read Revelation 21, it goes a little further and it literally describes how big it is, what it'll be made of, the, mag- the beauty and the majesty of what it will look like. It even says in other parts of Revelation that kings and, and rulers will come on boats with gold. So there has to be some body of water for those who freaked out when it said no sea. Oh, darn, I can't surf. There's definitely gonna be water. It even says in, the, in in Revelation 21 that there's a great river of water running through it down the main street, and there's... Tri- there's trees blooming every month with new fruit. That, just, that means there's going to be seasons in heaven for you snowboarders in here. It's going to be an amazing place. It also says this, and I want you to know too, that you will be you. When God made you, he threw away the mold. You are exactly, he stepped back and go, man, I'm good. That person's, it, you We're exactly the person God created you to be, with your personality and your likes, the the adventure in your heart, the things that you're passionate about. God put that day. Psalm 139 said he wrote your script before you were born. In that script, he wrote all that. He's not, again, scrapping that plan, forget that, going for a new plan. No way. You will be you in heaven. With all your abilities and skills, all that—that's what you're going to be, and you're also going to be with the people God's put in your life. Put that picture of my family over, would you? It's my family. This is uh, there. I'm at my niece's wedding. Who knows the Lord, Sean? Who know the Lord? So it's my—I mean, literally. I move, I'm going to move heaven and earth to make sure every per- person in that picture knows Jesus is in heaven with me. Because if they know Jesus, they will be in heaven with me. Now, your picture of your family is not up there. And I know that. But if I put it there, you too would want to make sure every single person in that picture was in heaven with you. Amen. Some of you are looking at me. Yeah, not my brother, though. No. <laughs> there's, not a, yeah, he's, there's a special place in hell just for him. I want you to know your worst enemy doesn't deserve hell, but surely not a family member who might have had a split in your family. You know, egos get in the way, pride gets in the way, whatever gets in the way. But I want you to know this. God wrote those people in your life initially, even though they might be far from you now. God's not scrapping that plan. He's going to redeem, restore, renew those relationships so that you'll have the beauty of those relationships without sin or anything else. You'll just love one another. My, my oldest granddaughter, she's in the middle in the blue. It's amazing how we got color coordinated. huh? That one. Her name is Emma. She asked me the other day, Papa, can you baptize me next Saturday? Oof. 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 I had to walk away for a little while. That was, that was, that was as hard as it, I mean, I what a privilege. If I die next Saturday night, Trust me, my days here were amazing. Just because I get to baptize my granddaughter. I was able to baptize my kids, that's true. My kids know the Lord, their spouses know the Lord. And now, not all my grandkids know the Lord yet. And it's my passion that they will see Jesus in heaven. And they're going to see Jesus in me every minute of every day. I am intentional about that, and I hope you are too. With the people that you love, that you're intentional. Do not go, I ah, hope you're in heaven, man. I don't know your eternal eternal destiny, but I eh, hope you know. Do not think that. Do not be confused about that. Be bold about that. Because I'm telling you, heaven and hell are real. Amen. Amen. There's some other things. I bet there's some things that you are wondering about heaven, and I just want to talk about that before I finish with some important other facts. But... One of the questions get asked me the most as I've been studying about heaven is, like, "My will my pet be in heaven? Dogs, yes. Cats, no. <laughs> just kidding, cat lovers. Don't throw nothing. Hey. So we had, in, our, in my family, uh, through the years, we had a dog and a cat. And, of course, you come in the house, the dog would just charge you. Hey, welcome home, man. Good to see you. Cat across the room. What's up? Couldn't care less. About as arrogant a cat as possibly have. So the, but anyhow, the word says clearly in a bunch of different places, there will definitely be animals in heaven. In fact, the word says it's going to be completely different than what we know now because lions will lay with lambs. Different animals will lay with children. Well, I don't know if your pet will be there. I, I, I'm only, this is, this is my speculation because of the theology of continuity. God gave you people in your life. He also gave you animals. The second most important person in most people's lives, if they have animals other than their kids, and that's questionable at times, <laughs> is there animals? Is there animals? Well, I mean, I've heard people tell me, the. at de- I mean, we've, we've had to help people who had their animals pass away through that grief. So I don't know if they're going to be in heaven, but if God gives you the desires of your heart, and I believe your desires of your heart will be fully realized in heaven, it's possible. But there will be pets in heaven for sure of some type because there's going to be animals. Ever thought, is there going to be sports in heaven? Any sports lovers in here? I say yes, absolutely. And I'm not just, that's not just a pipe dream. I'm not just, oh, hope. No, I believe there will be. I believe God created sports, and anyone who loves sports enjoys the whole process of the sport. You know, we will not have that competitive edge. You know, one, so one of the guys that I golf with, well, does that mean we're going to hit a hole in one every time? I go, no, because your skill level will still be your skill level in heaven. But I fully intend to golf with these guys in heaven. I fully intend to put, put that picture up, would you? I fully intend to be golfing with these guys in heaven. The guy in the center, well, my son is the one to your left. But the one in the middle, him and I have been golfing together for over 30 years. We've traveled in the mission fields together. Earl and I are the closest of friends. I plan on golfing with these guys in heaven. I think it's going to be amazing. And I'll tell you why I'm pretty confident about that. Because, again, like I said, the people God wrote in your life, he wrote in there for a reason. God wrote these people into my life. And God wrote me into their life so that we could enjoy life. God wrote people in your life. Some of you, I mean, we're we're going to see each other again. You do realize that, right? We are going to see each other again. And we're going to hang out together. Because those people in your life, they're gifts from you. And I believe for sure I'm going to be golfing with these guys and i still will be taking their money <laughs> just kidding just kidding just kidding Amen. will we so will we have entertainment and music in heaven absolutely we will i mean music has been a part of every generation from the beginning of time every culture every people group have their have their music that defines them they love their music Music's going to be in heaven of all kinds and shapes. Here's, a, here's, a, here's a one I want to throw at you. I believe heaven is a place where God will redeem your dreams, your hopes, your passions. That, you, that God planted there, but life took some curves and you didn't realize those. I believe in heaven you will realize those heaven. If there's a song in your heart, a book in your heart, a business in your heart, a dream in your heart, it will come to fruition when you get to heaven. Will you work in heaven? The word clearly says we will. Clearly says we will. And here's what I believe with all my heart. You're going to wake up every day, because many of us in this room, oh, no, it's Monday. Oh, Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up, oh, no, another week. What am I going to wear? <laughs> you're going to wake up every morning in heaven and go, wait, I can't wait to be there. Because it's going to be about your passions and desires. God's going to allow those to come to fruition big time. Are you hearing me? Super important that we understand what heaven's going to be like. Will there be adventure and learning in heaven? Absolutely. The word says that we'll be in wonder of God every day. Like I said, our same skill level, continuity is getting to heaven. We'll have the rest of eternity to learn things. We'll want to learn things. We can't wait to learn things. The word also says that we'll be able to travel. There's some, there's, there's some semblance of this that we'll be able to travel great distances in a f- very short amount of time. Heaven is a real place. And when we understand heaven, we'd want to be there. We want to be there. The last thing I want to talk about this morning, which I think is really important, and we're closing this series with this in mind, because the word clearly says... God is a rewarding God. If I, I, I looked up all the scriptures on rewards and, and eternal rewards and God wanting to reward us and our treasures in heaven, all those scriptures, I would be here for two days teaching a class on just those verses. It is completely woven through scripture that God, heaven is a rewarding place. The word clearly says that how we live our life here will affect how we live experience eternity. It clearly does. Over and over it says that. In Ephesians 2.10 it says this, for we are God's masterpiece. That's how he sees us. Created in Christ Jesus to do good deeds, do good works that he planned for us long ago. Over and over in the word it says, God saved you for you to partner with him to change the orbit, the world you live in to make a difference. And if you accept those challenges to do that, to use your spiritual gifts, by the way, anytime you minister to anyone, you're not on your own. The Holy Spirit is right there with you, encouraging you, giving everything you need to accomplish what he's asked you to do. The word says he doesn't give you anything more than you can handle. Are you hearing me? Amen. Now I want to just pause right here. Cause some of you might go like a friend of mine did. So wait, I can work my way into heaven. Like the more I works I get, I, I can get my salvation that way. I don't care how many times you show up at Anchor Church. And I don't care how much money you give to the poor or anchor. I don't care how many meals you made for people. I don't care how good a Christian you were. You do not earn your way into heaven. Amen. That is a free gift. And we're going to celebrate that next Sunday of what Jesus did on the cross. is the only way you can get a mission into heaven is believing. The word says in Romans, the 10th chapter, if you, believe, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say you will be saved if as long as you do this, 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 and this, and this. No. But God wants to, says, faith without works is dead. So I want you to know something. God saved you to serve him. And here's the scary part, and here's the verse I want to bring to you today. Is God's going to and he's going to use the word judge you. Some of, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know what final judgment is, and this is what we're talking about here, final judgment. Anybody hear that word before? Many people, many people, including non-Christians, think that means that we're going to stand before God, and he's got this big old screen like that one right there. And your whole life, every sin you did, every wrong decision you made, every, everything you did wrong in your life was going to flash across that screen. Many people believe that that is not going to happen because god said i forgave your past your present and your future sins and i will never ever hold them against you ever but what he says and the word we're going to read the verse we're going to read right now is that he literally he uses the word judge. But I want to also say that this is a poor translation. Because in, our, in English, when we say we use the word judge, that means there's a judgment against us. That means you judge me because I did something wrong. I got a ticket, there's a judgment against me. I've done something wrong and I'm being judged. I did something wrong. That's how we see judge being judged, right? So I want you to think of this word. I think I want to paint a picture for you. This judge, what he's talking about in this verse, even though it sounds pretty strong, but the word really is more like an Olympic judge. And all the athletes came And did their very best. But a few, a couple, the three, the gold, silver, and bronze medal winners, did a little bit better. And we all applauded. Well done. Even the ones that didn't get one, we applaud them. So the word judgment, what we're going to read, is more on that line than with a big stick. Okay, you screwed up, buddy. Bam. Are you hearing me? But the word, we're going to read The word says that he is going to judge our motives as we served him. It's found in Corinthians, the third chapter. You're going to want to know this verse because it's a powerful verse. It says that no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, and that's Christ Jesus. So what he's saying is the foundation of our life, the decisions we make, whatever we do in life, it's built on Jesus. The things we say, all that, what we do. Jesus is our foundation. It says anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Some are eternal. And what we're doing here is, we're, we're going to talk about it's been, been uh, purified by fire. What we're talking about is motive. And God's saying, was your motives pure? Did you, did you just serve me because you wanted to? Did, did you help that person because you just wanted to make sure that person was loved, and there was no hidden agenda. So those, it says this, those materials, a variety of materials, some are gold, silver, and jewels. Those are eternal values. But others, he says, were, were selfish. And you kind of did it for the wrong reasons. You still love me, you still were serving me, but you really kind of had you in mind before you had me, God said. And you used wood, hay, and straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work the builder has done. The fire that shows that, that a person's work has any value so if the work survives that builder will receive a reward some of your bibles say a great reward and here's 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 one that's kind of a little scary to hear and I'm going to I'm going to tell you what it means it says but the work but if the work is burned up and the builder will suffer great loss the builder will be saved but like someone barely escaping through fire it's pretty harsh I know to hear that but here's what I wanted to make sure you understand what it says that when we, someday, we're going we're gonna to see Jesus twice and be accountable to him twice. One, did we know you? The second is, what did you do with the gifts I've given you? You know, if you ever get into reading the Bible in Matthew 25, it talks about the gifts, the talents. And he said to those, hey, I've given you these gifts. Now I want you to go use them. And the first two did. In fact, they doubled it. And what did, what did Jesus say to them? Well done, good and faithful servant. So what we're talking about are those who, with pure motives, serve God. And it said at the end, it says, they suffered great loss. I believe that, and I believe all of us, because nobody's perfect, will get to heaven and go, darn, shoot. I knew I should have done more. I knew I should have cared for more. I knew I should have you know, done something to serve God more with my heart, my poor heart. Because it says there's going to be great suffering. I believe there will be regret in heaven initially because we're going to wish, oh, No. It even said that, you know, you're, you're not going to see a family member there. There's going to be regret that you didn't know that family member was there too. But it doesn't mean you're not going to be saved. Remember it said, all got in. But some re- re- received a greater reward. Let me just talk about rewards. Because it's, it's an important subject that you need to know. When my friend goes, uh, the other day he goes, so like, Rob, is all you're doing is working for rewards? And I go, you're darn right. Because I want to get to heaven and I want to get a high five from Jesus. Well done, Rob. Well done. Awesome. That doesn't happen without intentionality, though. You can't hope that to happen. You gotta make that happen. In fact, the word says, the word says in Matthew the sixth chapter, don't store up treasures in heaven on earth where the mobs will eat them and you'll get stolen and broken into, but store up treasures in heaven. So let me just talk about this. It talks about treasures and rewards. What are those rewards? Well, the word doesn't clearly say everything about it, but it does talk about these. The word says that there's crowns to reward. In in, in life, on this earth, we get rewarded by trophies. Most of us got trophies as kids just even participate. Some of us are really great athletes, and we got all these trophies. And one day, our second or third move, we go, I don't need these, and we chuck them. They're done. They were really important at one time, right? I'm not carrying those around the country again. Forget that. Throw them away. These crowns, though, he says, the word says, will be imperishable. When we have these crowns, one of our rewards is crowns, and with that comes prestige and influence. It also says in the word that we'll have that we'll have different responsibilities. That comes from those rewards. In that same verse in Matthew the twenty-fifth chapter, it says, "Well done, good and faithful servants. You are faithful with the small things. Now I am going to put you in charge of more." So clearly, the rewards of of using our gifts and you know, in the word. In the parable, it talked about doubling it, but just using our gifts clearly stated that the Lord's going to give us more. The word, somewhere else it says that from the, the first will be last and the last will be first. Amen. That means the people that are the most quietest but just serve God with every ounce of their being are going to have a great place of honor in heaven. In Timothy, it says this, talking about the crowns, and we're going to close on this says this in 2 Timothy 4. It says, Paul writing this. says, I fought the good fight and I finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, is going to give me on the day of his return. Check this out. And the prize is not just for me, but it's for all those who earnestly and eagerly seek him. That should motivate the tar out of you, to be honest with you. I got this rope here. Hope it doesn't have a knot too big. It does. See this knot? See this rope? Like it goes out that door, and we've, I've got it up to the parking lot, and it goes over the Koolau Mountains, on the other side, through Leeward, Oahu, all the way out. in the, It just keeps on going to, through to Japan, As far as you can see, it never actually ends. That represents eternity. And this represents our life. In Psalms it says, you might get 670, you might get 80. The word also says life is but a blink, a vapor. And God says, whatever you do along this trail affects all of that. So some of the things that we thought were super important here, like, gosh, I just gotta have that. God said, yeah, you don't need that. You need to give that money somewhere else. Because God says this, you know, I saw you encourage that person. God says, I saw you do that. I'm going to repay you. I'm going to reward you for that. I saw you come alongside and encourage that person. I saw you make a meal for that person who was down. I saw you listening to that person and you cared for them. The word even says that you gave a, a cup of water or a meal or ask somebody into your home, or you fed somebody, or you closed somebody, or visit somebody in prison. If you did that for them, you've done it for me. Yeah. You might even, you know, you might be working in the children's church today. God says, I saw that, man. I saw that. I saw that. You helped, you loved on those kids so their parents could come in here. You're an usher, amazing ushers and greeters. I saw that, and I'm going to repay you for that. You have supported the financially the church that you go to whatever church that is, and you supported the poor and you helped people that didn't need it and you loved out people who didn't deserve it. I saw that. And that's what happens here, but it affects everything there. Pray with me. Lord, we are so honored that you saved us, that you loved us enough to die for us, Lord. We're in awe of that. We're blown away by that, Lord, to know that that one act allows us to spend eternity with you, Lord, and I pray for everybody in this room right now, Lord, that literally we would put a lot of things on hold and just focus this week on you, on you, that we would put you first, that we would walk with our eyes. I love this saying. One of my friends told me that they had a sermon like this. Says, I pray with my eyes wide open. I pray that we'd all do that today. Our, wide, our eyes wide open to what God would have us do in our week, in our day. Lord, we love you, we thank you. Lord, I pray for anybody in this room who's going through a terrible time right now and they they can't even even imagine eternity with the pain they're going through right now, Lord. I pray that you'd come and put your arms around them and you would envelop them with your love there, Lord, that they would experience you like never before. And I pray for anybody in this room who's actually never come to know you, never allowed you into their life, knowing that the admission into heaven is simple as this, to know you. And so I want to give anybody an opportunity right now. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, never accepted him in your heart, I'm compelled to make sure you do that right now. In a couple of seconds, I'm going to have you raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you. And what we're going to pray is that the Lord would forgive your sins and that the Lord would come and redirect your life. And instead of living without him, that you would live totally for him. So if that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you're unsure of your security, raise your hand right now. I see you. I see you. If you're on the, if you're on the courtyard in the family zone, God sees you. I see you back there. Pray with me, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that you forgive me of my sins, Lord. Forgive me, forgive me of doing my thing my own way without you, Lord. Not even acknowledging that you are, Lord. I truly confess within my mouth that you are, Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. And I thank you, Lord, for choosing me to be